It is another edition of the world's best Oklahoma State Cowboys podcast, talking football uh, from the uh, BH Media Studios, the corner of uh, Boulder and something. What, third, Mark? Where are we? Third and Boulder? Third, third yeah. Boulder? Yes. Downtown Tulsa. No place I'd rather be on a, on a Wednesday uh, talking football with Mark Cooper, beat writer covering the Cowboys for the Tulsa World. My name is Garen Emig. I'm a columnist writing about sports for the world, and we've both written extensively about the Cowboys this week because it has been a week already in the life of OSU football. Uh, I thought, Mark, you and I might have a chance to sort of unwind a little bit, and given that we thought they'd have a, a Big 12 opening win over Texas Tech, would take care of Cliff Kingsbury's Red Raiders, given how the Red Raiders had looked going into Stillwater Saturday with Kansas ahead on the OSU schedule. I thought we might have a little fun and do something different with uh, the podcast, but I'm not sure we're going to get the fun based on what's going on in Stillwater right now. Yeah, this has uh, turned into a busier, probably more stressful week than, than Mike Gundy ever envisioned for him and for his program and for everybody around it, uh, both because they got beat pretty badly by Texas Tech, obviously, and then Two days later, Jalen McCluskey, one of the seniors and most accomplished players in the program, announces he's, uh, well, Mike Gundy announces for him that Jalen McCluskey's going to redshirt and yeah. and transfer. And uh, it's not every day that you lose the number six player uh, on the all-time receptions list because he's not happy anymore mm-hmm. uh, with his role or, as Mike Gundy said, how much he's getting the ball. Uh, in the program. Yeah, I, and I stated this much in the column that, that I wrote the day that, that this news broke. There's a lot of different directions you could take a story like this, and uh, whether you come down on McCleskey's side or Gundy's side or neither side or both sides, or, or you see the, uh, the the logic in a kid taking advantage of the uh, the new redshirt rule, which allows players to, to up and leave if they, if they don't like their situation after four games, which is what McCleskey has done. Semantics are semantics. This is a problem for OSU right now. Uh, it, 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 look, it doesn't look good. It doesn't feel good. And it's certainly not going to help an offense that is clearly struggling to, to, to find, a, find a footing right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, he might not have been the number one target. He has 15 catches, second most on the team. So, and he scored three touchdowns in their season opener. He's an important piece to that offense. Uh, but they, they lose a guy... At a time where Taylor Cornelius is sort of struggling to, you know, really mm-hmm. kind of get established, they they lose a guy who's sort of his safety valve. He's the guy over the middle, the guy that can throw too short. Uh, you know, I think Tylen Wallace obviously is is his number one target. Then you got Tyron Johnson, but in terms of somebody who, if you know you need to complete a pass for a couple yards, McCluskey is probably the guy you look at. And uh, you know, I don't know what it says about this this team as a whole and where it's heading. Uh, I think this was, you know, Mike Gundy said this was something that McCluskey had brought up in the past. It it wasn't something that was spur of the moment Sunday night because of the loss. Uh, but at the same time, the two things go together. And, and you wrote about this this week, just sort of how the bar starts to wobble with mm-hmm. this team. Well, it certainly does coming out of 41-17. And the last thing you expect to hear from a head coach the next time he speaks about his team is one of the pillars uh, has crumbled literally, and the fact that it, it is, and look, it's it's McCluskey's value with regard to the offense. You, you call him a safety valve for Cornelius. Um, his production had diminished since his freshman season, but he did he did catch what six passes in the in the season opener, five or six, I think. Six for sixty six. He's two got touchdowns two in that touchdowns. opener. So it's not like we hadn't seen this guy since like his freshman season. Even if he even if it was a diminished role, and even if he had been overshadowed a year ago by Washington and Aitman, and this year he was being overshadowed by by Tylen Wallace. But the other thing that I, it's just a bad look is you, 
this this was a guy you brought to speak on your program's behalf to Dallas for for media days. It wasn't that long ago. I mean, we're at the end of July. You could you could you can say weeks ago, not months ago even. And it, Gundy's talked about culture of the program, and I think a lot of what is responsible for that culture he's so proud of is, is senior leadership. We saw it in Spades a year ago with with Rudolph and Whitener and Washington and Flowers and those guys. This this is this is the opposite. Of, yeah. of, of reliability with regard to senior leadership. You're right. And I remember having a conversation with Jalen uh, down in Dallas at Big 12 Media Day uh, about leadership and, and what some of the guys, including himself, were, were doing over the summer to try to, you know, con- build some leadership in, within the program, given how, many, given how many players they lost. He certainly was the last guy. Even, even if you said, you know, somebody's going to transfer out of this offense, he'd be one of the last guys that I would guess just because he's been so accomplished. He's, he's been there so long. Uh, you know, he's he's been a pretty reliable guy. He hasn't missed a game. You know, he's he's done a little bit of everything. Uh, that's one big question about this team right now is is who are their leaders? Mm-hmm. You know, after after a, a bad loss and how they how they move forward the rest of the season, who who takes charge? And there's a lot of questions about Taylor Cornelius and and him at quarter at quarterback and uh, the rest of this offense doesn't have many seniors on it. McCluskey was one of the few. You know, mm-hmm. Justice Hill is a junior, and he's been around a long time, but none of their running backs are seniors. Right. You, go, you go across the rest of their receivers, McCluskey was the only guy who was a senior. He's the only guy in his fourth year on campus. Dylan Stoner is in his third year there. Tyron Johnson's in his third year. Tylen Wallace is in his second year. Uh, across the offensive line, you know, there aren't really seniors there as well other than Larry Williams. So this suddenly becomes a team that you look at, and most of these guys are underclassmen. Mm-hmm. Something like this happens on the heels of a terrible loss. The fan base immediately, and the media, word fault as much as the fans, I should say, we, we jump to, well, well, maybe this is symptomatic of something deeper within the program. So there, there's, my, there's my loaded question for you as a guy who's around the team a lot more than I am. Do you, do you get that sense at all? Um, I mean, I, 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 it's hard to tell with, with the other players. Uh, I think they're always trying to put a different sort of spin on it. Uh, I don't know that any of them are going to come out and say publicly, I'm not happy here. Right. I do think in the case of Jalen McCleskey, it wasn't re- it wasn't connected to Saturday's loss. Okay. And, and all the issues we're talking about with their offense, I, I don't think it was a spur-of-the-moment decision. I think it was a personal decision. And, uh, you know, I think it's something that probably he might not be the only player who thought about it with this new redshirt rule. And, mm-hmm. and hey, should I take advantage of, of the idea that, you know, he had a red shirt because he played as a true freshman, so he's got it available to him. Should I take it? I, I, I think this was more of a, a personal decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I reached out to Jalen. He he said, you know, politely he wasn't interested in interviews sure. this time, uh, and I'd love to sort of get his perspective on what he's looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, but clearly what, what he was looking for wasn't happening at OSU. Um, that doesn't mean everywhere else there are guys who – don't feel like they're getting what they want right now. Yeah, we just I, a lot of the times you don't know that until they decide to leave. Even if McCleskey hadn't quit, uh, there'd be a problem at, at OSU with regard to the offense. Right, and we so now he's gone. We still have uh, the problem to discuss, and it's it is uh, I think topic one on the on the minds of, of those listening to to this podcast. Gundy cannot stop hammering away at the blocking issues. You ask him, you're 7,000 different ways to ask him about Cornelius or uh, Justice Hill's usage or wide receivers not being as good as Washington and Aitman had been, even Chris Lacey. 
and it's it's we we're not blocking anybody or we're not blocking enough of of, of anybody. I, I get that it's I get that the line line play is is an issue, but is it is it can it be as simple as he's trying to make it out to be? I guess is what I'm trying to figure out here. It's it's interesting because uh, and you wrote about this. I, I mean I don't think it's as simple as you make. I don't think if the offensive line gets better this week, every single problem gets solved, right. do you? I mean, it, it doesn't seem that simple to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think all of these things work together. Uh, I think Taylor Cornelius, and he admits himself, didn't play very well the other night, no matter what Mike Gundy says. You know, Cornelius admitted himself there were throws that, that he felt like he should have made. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, I kind of think all of these things have to get better. I think mm-hmm. the quarterback play has to get better just the same way. And, and uh, you know, talking to Tyron Johnson, he said, it's not just the quarterback, you know, it's not just the throws. We need to run our routes better. We need to make sure we're, our timing is better with mm-hmm. the quarterback. And so I think it's all of these things all at once. I, to boil it down to one issue on this offense right now, I think, is, is oversimplifying things. And I was surprised as to his response on Monday to, to a question, my question about, well, look, you've been here before. Just a few years ago, it seemed to me that you had, I wasn't covering you, but it seemed to me that you had to work around your offensive line as a, as, a, as a guy who was scheming offense. Right. I mean, in 2015, you helped do that with a package featuring J.W. Walsh. Uh, so does a coach, are there things a coach can do to work around this issue? You've been at, at the, in this situation before, and I, I, I thought I'd get a little bit more than, no, there's not. And that's, that was his answer. And I, I thought, I, I don't think that's true. I think there are obviously things that he and Mike Yersich can do to work around the problem. I just... I just thought it was surprising that that he went there uh, in that form and, and publicly. And I don't know if it's to protect Cornelius, if he still thinks, because I asked him after the game Saturday night if it was time to consider giving Drew Brown some reps as, as a first-team quarterback, and he shot that down just as quickly. I don't know if he's being overly protective of Cornelius there or if he's that much fr- or if he is that frustrated with the development of a line he thought would be better or if, if he's just frustrated in general and that's how it's manifesting itself. The hard thing about going back to, to 2014 and when they didn't have a good offensive line is they were so limited back then that there really might not have been many things they could have done. Right. Because they had a quarterback who was immobile. Dax Garman was a stand-and-throw-it guy. They didn't have an NFL-caliber running back. I mean, they, they did have Tyreek Hill, um, but there were they couldn't figure out how to utilize him really with, with their blocking and, and the fact they didn't have a lot of time to throw. But Desmond Rowan was their main running back. He's not at the level of Justice Hill. So I think that that team was just more limited overall, mm-hmm. whereas I, I think there are things you could do with this this team because mm-hmm. you've got NFL running backs and you've got really talented receivers and you've got a quarterback who has shown he can move. You know, On that opening drive of the game, he ran for 14 yards right. and uh, they didn't go back to it, which was very strange. And you know, you asked Mike Gundy, you know, can you roll Taylor out and, and do different things to get him on the move? And Mike Gundy said that's not what we, they do. They they did it a couple times early in the year. I remember one of their big plays uh, against South Alabama was a 60-yard gain by Johnson where it was a play action, and, and Cornelius ran out to the right and hit Johnson running across the mm-hmm. field with him, and Johnson turned up field and turned it into a huge play. So it feels like there are things you can do, uh, and – you know, maybe maybe he's just playing it close to the best. I, maybe, I, think there are I, th- I would think Mike Yersich is working are, on things. Exactly. You know, I think they, they are. I don't think it, he's shutting it down, saying we're, we're, it's hopeless. But I just thought it was. It's not so much that they're not going to. Uh, it's that he's not admitting that they're going to. That just I, I thought that was just strange. A strange way to, to deflect it. This is the world's best Oklahoma State podcast with Mark Cooper. I'm Gary Namick discussing the Cowboys on a very interesting week here at the Tulsa World. Uh, let's. All right. 
McCleskey leaves, Cornelius is still limited. The offensive line is, is, is to hear Gundy say it, having trouble moving You know their scout team. You forget about the defense, but that was a problem as well against Tech in the fact that they didn't get to the quarterback for the first time all season, and we saw what happened as a result. It's, it's got to happen up front because, in fact, you've got holes, it looks like, if you're Jim Knowles. Yeah, their secondary is young and inexperienced and, and not – I don't, I don't know how many NFL players they have on the back end of their defense, but their cornerback play has been, been an issue for more than a year now. Uh, you know, I keep going back to, I think, that was just a bad matchup. If, if your goal is to sack the quarterback, you're not going to get it done against Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. You know, Knowles put out the statistic that 85% of Alan Bowman's throws get out in two seconds or less. Well, you know, you can't go in there and, and say, we're going to sack him seven times right. like we did Boise State. It's just not going to happen. Yes. Uh, pretty much impossible. As long as he's got five guys in front of him, you're not going to do that. And so uh, that's where this defense, I think, is limited because if you don't do it, then you, then you are relying on your back end. You're relying on guys to play good coverage, to make tackles in open space, things things that this defense hasn't done over the last couple of seasons. And, uh, you know, Bowman picked them apart at times. He, you know, he obviously had in, two interceptions. Uh, one was an overthrow on his part. The other was a great play by A.J. Green. Uh, but aside from that, he sort of had his way. I'm interested to see. I don't know what what Kansas will will do, obviously. Um, but I'm interested to see how many teams uh, sort of look at at what Texas Tech was able to do to OSU's defense and say, "Well, this is the way to beat them." Is you've got to get the ball out right away. Well, well, that's the that's what alarms me, Mark. Is that outside of the two schools from Kansas, it you're you're asking for it if you don't get to the quarterback in this league. Because the, the receivers that are, that are, I mean, it's not it's not a, a banner year maybe for quarterback play, just because you, I say that uh, you got two guys in the Heisman Trophy running right now, Will Greer and Kyler Murray. Uh, but even at places where you don't have elite quarterback play, TCU, Iowa State, uh, come to mind Baylor, although Charlie Burr's not bad. There's pretty there, there's some elite receiving going on. Uh, everyone's got a threat. I, I watched Akeem Butler terrorize Oklahoma a couple of weeks ago in Ames. And and he's got Seb Nolan throwing to him right now. You've got to be. This isn't this isn't a good situation to be in, is what I'm saying. If you're Jim Knowles moving forward, and I'd be I'd be a little bit concerned. It, it looked like a soft schedule the next five weeks, but if you just look at the matchup between receivers and OSU defensive backs, that's not so soft. Yeah. If if there's good news, I guess the next couple of weeks, I wish you can try to figure it out because they they have Kansas this week, then Iowa State, then Kansas State, and you mentioned you mentioned it. Two two of those three. You're you're not going to get that that sort of offense with KU and K State, Iowa State in between. You mentioned they're really good receivers, so uh, I guess he's got a little bit of time to try to figure things out here, uh, which is good. But uh, the personnel isn't going to change, and I'm not sure we've seen AJ Green and Rodarius Williams get much better or much more consistent than they were a year ago, and that was uh, really what they're sort of banking on is that they were going to get better at cornerback this year with those two guys. Uh, we have uh, an injury, health to, to report, um, with regard to uh, injuries at OSU. And that, that's, this also becomes more important as we move forward uh, in the fact that, especially at receiver, you got McCluskey now gone. Dylan Stoner was hampered in the game on Saturday night. Gundy said he hoped to have him healthy for Kansas this week. But even more pressing is Calvin Bundage. We saw what he potentially means to this defense the first uh, three games of the season. And uh, that poor kid was trying to go on, on one leg, it looked like, for much of the Tech game. And you talk about a defense that's going to be predicated on guys like Bundage and Brailford getting to the quarterback before the quarterback can find receivers. 
you better have bondage on more than one leg moving yeah, forward. I, I almost think, uh, you know, I don't know what, what OSU plans to do with him this weekend, but uh, if I were them, I almost think you, you try to get through this Kansas game without Kevin Bundage. I think you can win this game without him on the field, mm-hmm. uh, and I think his long-term health is, is obviously you know a bigger deal. Uh, the fact that he was out there tells me that they can't be very confident about the guys behind him, and so uh, you know Devin Harper is probably the next guy up there at linebacker. Uh, I, w- I would think you'd play him against Kansas and, and try to let Calvin Bundage sit it out. And, and even looking around the rest of the team, I wonder if they try to do that. Uh, you know, we're over there on Tuesday, and and Dylan Stoner didn't look like he was uh, in full pads coming out of practice, and so mm-hmm. that tells me his status is very much up in the air. He he left the game in the second quarter looking like he was sort of grabbing at his right hamstring or somewhere on his right leg, uh, so I wonder if he's somebody you also try to rest this week and, and say, you think you can beat Kansas with Devin Harper at linebacker and Landon Wolf at inside receiver, and then you get Stoner and Bundage back for Iowa State and, and for the, the meteor schedule. I think that if OSU just gave the ball to Justice Hill 20-25 times, they they'd be fine. <laughs> Just do that, and they'd be fine against KU in Lawrence Saturday. Um, I'd feel better about saying that given the fact that the Jayhawks uh, went and lost at Baylor 26-7 Saturday. They, they were getting our attention for a while, and then they went to Baylor and looked a little bit more like the Jayhawks. Especially That offense is pitiful. Uh, they, have, they have a freshman running back, Puka Williams is his name, who's, who's pretty good and is tough to tackle. But uh, they still don't have a quarterback. They don't have a, a uh, out-and-alpha receiver that the Cowboys have to worry about. And yet, Mark, it's, this is kind of where we are. This is how damaging the loss Saturday night was and then the news regarding McCleskey as, a, as sort of an aftershock has been. It, this is not a game that anyone, I think, that pays attention to OSU football takes for granted. Uh, obviously, the Cowboys shouldn't, given what just happened against the Red Raiders. But th- it's conceivable. What I'm saying is this is a game you, you could conceive where OSU could be in some trouble. And that... that I, sitting here at this table a week ago, I thought that was a laughable prospect. Yeah, and and you throw in the fact that Oklahoma State has not uh, played very well in Lawrence over the last few years. Even two years ago, they won by twenty four, but it wasn't. There's no energy in that. St- I mean, you yeah. literally is like it's like playing. It's like it's like scrimmaging. It feels sort of like a scrimmage setting. And maybe coming off a loss gives OSU all the energy it needs, but maybe. because I think most of the time they've gone in there after wins, but. Uh, yeah, I sort of, the line is like 18, 18 and a half. And I sort of think OSU might only go in there and win by 14 if if they're not playing mm-hmm. better. But you're right. They just need to give Justice Hill the ball, you know, 25 times and and just sort of roll with it. That's one thing Gundy copped to Monday. He, he wasn't going to play ball with regard to what can you do to fix to change the offense if your line isn't going to block. But when you asked about Gundy or, or about Hill's uh, lack of usage against Texas Tech, after uh, starting down the avenue of, well, we were in comeback mode, so that changes what we have to do, he, he got around to, yeah, that's, that's not a good idea. 12 touches, four, I think it was, how many, 14 total? 14 total. Two yeah. catches for, I think, minus two yards, yeah. and then 12 for 111. And Mike Yersich said that after the game that they need to get Justice Hill the ball more. And so you've got the, the play caller and you've got the head coach saying that Justice Hill needs the ball more. Those are the two guys who decide that, right? Mm-hmm. And so... If he doesn't get the ball more this weekend, uh, unless they're up 35 points in the second quarter sure, and they take him out. Sure. Uh, but for as long as the game is a competition, if he's not getting the ball more, then the coaches are saying one thing and doing another. Let me circle back before we get out of here to quarterback. Any chance that we see more than one if it's a blowout, on Saturday? I, I, just, just under that circumstance, I, I think? Or if, or if the other way around, if they're struggling on offense the way they did in the second half, if they have 
91 yards of offense in the first two quarters, I would think you have to make a change if, if the game's up in the air. Uh, but I I don't know. I think Mike Gundy seems to believe that Tara Cornelius is going to play better. I think given the matchup, he might, just because they're playing Kansas. I think he could improve. Uh, but short of OSU not moving the ball on offense right. or blowing Kansas out, I don't know that we'll see Drew Brown. I don't, I don't, I don't expect a, you know one guy one series, one guy the next sort of reopen the competition deal. I think uh, either Cornelius is going to have to play his way out of it or they're going to get up so, so far ahead that he's going to strengthen his hold on it. And just to, re- to reaffirm, if the if he goes to a second guy, it's Brown, not Spencer Sanders. You think? Yeah, I think so. Uh, it was Wood T. Obviously, games one and two, um, but Drew Brown is the number two quarterback right now. Uh, he that's was, not he, a, that's not a smokescreen. No, he was last week. He was the number two last week. I I, I don't know that anything's changed sure. this week. So I think I think Brown's the guy. I I, I would think that at this point, uh, Spencer Sanders. They want to do everything they can to redshirt him and. Now that they've lost the game and it doesn't feel like they're this is a team that's going to mm-hmm. win the Big Twelve title, Spencer Sanders in twenty twenty two maybe makes more sense than twenty eighteen. Yeah. Well, for the last gosh seven or eight years, if you saw Kansas on your schedule in the Big Twelve, you, you took a deep breath. <laughs> it's just the reality of the situation in Lawrence. I'm not sure anyone has taken a deeper breath than than Oklahoma State this week with all of the issues that that popped up in the uh, 41-17 loss at home to Texas Tech and with all of the problems uh, that, that, uh, are hap- that are are going on or, or perceived to be going on since then, particularly with the Jalen McCleskey uh, bombshell from Monday, this is your quintessentially good week to play Kansas if you're OSU. You and I will be there. We will. Writing about it for the, and blogging about it and tweeting about it. Should be a beautiful weekend in Lawrence. It, it always is, Mark. You should know that. And uh, uh, we might even sneak in a little Kansas... Uh, late night at the fog the night before just to get us uh, closer to basketball season but uh you know we'll talk about that next week on the podcast thanks very much for listening uh please check out our material at the uh, osu kansas game this weekend uh, always uh, read our work in the actual tulsa world that's dropped on in your driveway on sunday uh, you can check out our sunday uh, newspaper version but check us out online at tulsaworld.com as well watch us on tulsa world tv and always uh, make sure that you're dialed up and listening to the world's best oklahoma state podcast